you know, the Jerry Jones approach. It looks great until suddenly it doesn't. Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be previewing what is the best, according to all of the television stations. Uh, conference of the lot, uh, the of the NFC East. So hey guys, we got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. Uh, we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on guys? How's Strix down in Cork? Yeah, not too bad, quite enough. I've been uh, watching the, the Colin Kaepernick thing on Netflix, the Colin in Black and White it's called, it's uh... Interesting, interesting show. He's kind of goes back to his childhood, and it's kind of a dramatic reenactment of his childhood. He goes back. He's basically because he was a, a black kid raised by white parents because he was adopted. He's kind of trapped between two worlds, kind of thing. It's interesting. Oh, show. I didn't even know that was out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's quite. It's I mean, it's a little gets a little heavy handed on the race stuff sometimes, but uh, usually quite good and. Um, uh, Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman is is the he plays the dad. He plays the uh, you know generic and white dad, and he plays it quite well. So uh, yeah, no, it's definitely for football fans to, and people who are interested in racism in America. It's uh, it's an interesting one to watch. There's only six episodes as well. I've only watched three of them so far, but it is quite good. Oh, very good. So what about yourself? It's football fans. I haven't actually been spending that much time in Cork. I've been up and down to Cavan a fair amount. And then, uh, we rocked back, out at our, at our emo gig. Yeah, down in Marley Park. Went to see Green Day and stuff like that. Uh, yep, it was pretty good crack all, all together. Uh, in terms of being down in Cork, mostly just working away uh, during the testing period, which obviously comes around every six months or so. So uh, not much crack there uh, for the next while. But uh, maybe see the new Thor film at some point in the future. Very fun. Uh, eagle-eared listeners might notice I won't be talking as much in this one. I've got quite a bad chest infection at the moment. Uh, so I'll be leading on the lads to do most of the analysis. So uh, Playing through the pain! Playing through uh, the pain! That's it, you know. None of this wussy stuff. I'm just rubbing dirt in my throat and trying, <laughs> trying to keep going. <clears throat> yeah, so we'll start on a few bits of the news. Uh, so some Jackson bits. Um, Washington have extended wide receiver Terry McLaurin three years, $70 million. Uh, fella makes money. He is a very, very good player. He's one of the only bright spots on that offense, really, at the moment. Um, makes sense to pay him because they also don't have too many other positions to be paying on that side of the ball at the moment. Uh, he's slotted in, what, around sixth or something on the average pay on the extension, which feels about right that he's kind of top 10, not top five, maybe. Is that, that that's about the feel for him? Um, but I think, I think this is a good bit of business apart from if I was Terry McLaurin, I wouldn't want to be spending my next four years in Washington. <laughs> I mean, that is the main thing is that why is he decided to stick around? I mean, yeah, he's, you know, consistent thousand yards a season. He's basically all the commanders have in terms of elite receivers. By the Christian Kirk scale, I think this makes him better than Christian Kirk. So therefore, that that's he's on the right side of that particular divide. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing that it's just like, why wouldn't you look at your options elsewhere? Given the way the wide receiver market has been working this offseason, I mean, he probably could have been could, could have got the similar contract somewhere where he'd be more likely to compete. Um, the commanders are going backwards in a division, as we'll see, that's actually improving as well. It's not the quite the dirt fest used to be. So it could be a while before the, the commanders see the playoffs again. So, you know, good money for him. But but the decision to stay is a, is a bit of a mysterious one. 
Yeah, well, the money, it's okay, and he's getting this a year early, I believe, so I assume getting the money now rather than waiting a year and going through free agency and maybe getting a tag, it just kind of, yeah, it, the security, obviously we know the NFL is a dangerous league, uh, even for wide receivers, like, you know, safer than being a running back, but still not particularly safe. This kind of puts them in between, like, DJ Moore and Stefan Diggs, like, kind of above your kind of, you know, your Keenan Allens and people like that, but below your Stefan Diggs, your AJ Browns and uh, Cooper Cups. And I think that's about fair for where he has been. To be fair, he's probably been held back by the quarterback play, but, you know, one of his best skills is his ability to catch the ball with a very wide catch radius. And given his uh, potential new quarterback this year, that'll probably be a very useful skill. But we'll talk about that in a moment later on. <laughs> Nah, no, so I think a smart bit of business for them. Uh, Pittsburgh have signed defensive tackle Largan Ogunjobi for a one-year $8 million contract. Uh, Ogunjobi is now continuing his weird incest fest all around the AFC North because I think he's now played for the Browns and the Bengals and now onto the Pittsburgh Steelers. So all he needs to do is finish up with the Ravens and he's got the full set. Um, I, I suppose they've got the money. They want to add some more rotation to that line. I wouldn't have ever thought he was that big a player or like that that stand out a player yeah like look this is obviously in the context that they lost uh, Stefan Tuitt to retirement this offseason so I think no one will replace Tuitt who was like a pro bowl all pro type player but they have a clutch of players who will probably be part of rotation and I think Ogden Joby had a very good 2021 uh, overall in terms of sack numbers so um, it's a reasonably good deal for him I think overall and will probably help the Steelers get over that Tuitt loss hopefully yeah, we'll move on to crime and punishment. What are they up to? Probably felonies. Deshaun Watson has settled 20 of the 24 civil cases um, against him at the moment. The original case from Ashley Solis is still amongst the four that are remaining, as well as, as we mentioned in the previous one, uh, potential additional cases that might be added on. Um, the NFL has also finished up its hearings after three days. First investigation is under new independent investigator rules. Uh, so it's the first one run under those. <clears throat> the decision expected prior to the start of the season. Uh, bits of leaks of ideas and theories that have been popping out from a couple of uh, like sub- sources with sources we would say um, seem to be there's a lot of a lot of things seem to be anchoring around the idea of this coming in as a one-year ban um, but again this is all up in the air this is a new process so we don't know how it's going to work out um, entirely but we would expect to hear in the coming weeks yeah so obviously a big development in terms of the legal situation Obviously, 20 of these cases have now gone to settlement. Those are pretty much off the table. And I think, you know, I, you know, there's always a chance more cases come up. But I think at this point, the opportunities to do so have been, uh, you know, very open. And I don't know if once this is over, whether someone else will come in at the end. Of course, the original complainant, uh, Ashley Solis, continues her case alongside three of the other who joined the case later on. And, you know, the attorney for, for them, Busby, has talked a lot about the bravery of Ashley Solis and kind of getting this whole thing going and bringing to light all this information that we now know about Deshaun Watson's act actions and as we said like in the last podcast uh you know it's not just like at the very best Deshaun Watson comes out as looking like a goddamn creep who tries to turn massages into you know uh happy endings or everyone referred to it or his own attorney referred to it you know that's something that's pretty sketch at best is probably the way he's putting it um the nfl's of course its own investigation is happening under these new rules where an independent investigator is going to make the decision and i think they're a former judge um which obviously is quite different from what was there before where it was basically completely at the discretion of the commissioner roger goodell to decide 
what the length of the suspension is going to be. So it'll be interesting to see where it comes out. And I think there's already expectation that the NFLPA will be uh, likely to help Watson appeal, or if it's a particularly severe one like the entire season, they point to whether you agree with it or not. They point to you know how uh, owners such as uh, the owners of the Patriots, Robert Kraft, and uh, the Cowboys owners have been involved in things that are kind of sketch and in the same ballpark and haven't faced any repercussions. And they would say, well, why is Watson for something which um, you know he, he settled? Is he legally liable at this point? Whether he should face um, you know um, what would to a certain extent be unprecedented level of uh, um, suspension for a personal conduct type issue compared to you know putting weed for a year 12 months that was fine back in the day but uh, you know this kind of stuff it's relatively unprecedented what well, regardless I think a decision it's not going to come up immediately it'll probably be maybe at uh, some point you know in August perhaps early August uh, but it's expected to happen before the season at least but at this point which is a pretty big uh, development by itself but yeah hugely varying like I've heard I've seen some reports it's going to be very small and some reports because the entire season right now huge amount of variance in how much we'll actually likely to see Deshaun Watson on the field uh, this season if at all yeah I mean yeah likely he will be suspended and the Browns are going to be in an absolute you know dumpster fire of a mess in terms of the QB situation because Baker is never going to play for them again but even if he does play I mean you got to think the distractions he's not going to be all that locked in I mean he's someone you know there's a lot of stuff going on it's going to affect someone, you know, emotionally as well. So, and he hasn't he, even before he wasn't exactly playing at the highest level, even before all this kind of stuff kicked off. So, I mean, it's just leaving us. I mean, obviously, it's you know terrible for people involved, and I hope he gets everything that's coming to him. But from just from the Browns' perspective, every time a new piece of this story comes out, it just reinforces what an absolutely terrible decision it was on the parts of the Browns to to take what was a franchise that seemed finally after many many decades to be going somewhere and to put this mess in there and destroy at least a season possibly two of theirs with this kind of stuff um is just I I still struggle to really understand why they did it why they were so desperate to make that move given that this was the likely scenario everyone knew this was the likely scenario and the idea that he may get less than a year's suspension is suddenly considered to be good news, just kind of reinforces how terrible that decision was. So I hope he gets banned for a long time and I hope the Browns go 0-17. And never never forget to to, to just add on top of that, that the Browns structured his deal so that he's only going to lose a million of his fully guaranteed if he he misses a season because they made sure that the first year of it, when he's likely to face a suspension, doesn't count towards any of the big 230 million guaranteed they gave him or whatever it was. So they've actually structured it so that he will not be impacted by a one-year ban massively. Uh, which, yeah, just that's all you need to know. They, about sold, the they sold their soul to the devil, and now they're going to have to pay for it. Uh, um, next up uh, in Controversy Corner, Jesus, <laughs> again, as I said, Crime and Punishment is basically just the Sean Watson column now. Controversy Corner is, and has been for years, just Washington. Uh, Dan Snyder subpoenaed by the House Committee on Oversight and Reform <clears throat> to investigations of the commander's organization. Um, the committee has provided evidence that Snyder conducted shadow investigations trying to undermine witnesses. Uh, details of his 2009 sexual assault allegation were released in a letter to the Washington Post. And uh, Goodell spoke with the House Committee saying the NFL is already engaged in discipline and does not control the teams that oversees. But again, as we said beforehand, um, these are all just details being smattered onto a board of, at some point, the rest of the owners are just going to be fucking sick of this and want to get rid of them. It's these kind of being dragged in front of these groups and constantly under the spotlight. Like they've got, they've had enough problems with 
these types of things. They've got enough problems with fate, like big faces of the of the Browns being tied to like all these sexual misconduct allegations. That like, if you've got financial impropriety, like sexual impropriety, uh, fucking stealing from other members of the team. At some point, at some point, the owners just have to get together and say, "Fuck it, we don't need the Snyders anymore." Yeah. So, so I suppose technically doesn't count for crime and punishment yet because. He has not been held in contempt for refusing to show up to the subpoena to the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. So right now it's not a crime yet. Well, you know, he obviously did crimes probably, but like uh, this is regarding his current, the investigation they're doing and how much more detail they can extract in terms of, you know, what their organization is doing. There's obviously a subplot, as we've mentioned before, where the NFL has a lot of information that's not being given to various parties. Um, and I think there was a recall uh, by uh, people affected uh, by this by the various situations involving the commanders to release the information the NFL has, but that hasn't come forth with so far. Snyder, like the big revelation that came when the the House Committee gave its report uh, or latest, latest report was that Snyder's basically been like had people investigating everyone who's made allegations against the commander's organization and tried to basically undermine those witnesses basically have you know a you know a, a brief of things to say about these people and why they're not credible and that's kind of the kind of organization thing a kind of criminal organization might do you might say but uh, you know it's kind of all up in the air right now in terms of legal repercussions outside of perhaps the uh, the outside of uh, outside of perhaps ending up in uh, contempt uh, the 2009 thing was technically separate but came out just the day before the hearing started i think the they just came from the washington post and they mentioned here's the details of what happened in 2009 and obviously does not make snyder look good so don't think any can make snyder look good at the moment and yeah like look the hearing because snyder hasn't been involved and a lot of this is just re- like issuing reports um you know the the highlight in terms of people giving testimony was roger goodell but as, I, as you mentioned it basically came down to the nfl is already engaged in discipline they obviously uh, dan snyder is technically not running the organization it's his wife who's doing the day-to-day control of the team and he basically mentioned like the nfl only has so much control over what they can do to NFL owners. Owners are obviously the kind of, they own and they basically own the NFL and Goodell can only do so much without the consent of the other owners in terms of further discipline or removing him. So, you know, nothing particularly exciting there. Very much a lot of ass covering, whatever. Um, But yeah, given the context, you know, they expect this to go on further and I think there's some analysis basically saying that Dan Snyder is willing to just kind of keep pulling this out for the long term because he expects that if if in the midterms the Democrats lose the House, um, which seems most likely at this point, then uh, the the, uh, the current committee would be taken over by a Republican as its chair and they're much they're probably likely to just try out the entire investigation. So Snyder likely to be playing for time. If he can make it to next year, this will basically all go away. It might, it's the opinion of some people on this ridiculous just yeah and and this washington tyranny now this is yeah it's ridiculous no. at this point uh other bits of news around the league gronk has retired again i'm not giving him a full retirement thing because i guarantee he's coming back uh not of a career multiple super bowls multiple all pros like he literally said if tom gives him a call he might come back uh just expect week 12 he'll be joining Tampa Bay or something along those lines. He just doesn't want to do a full season, doesn't have the body for it anymore, and he needs to get into training because he needs to reclaim the the 24-7 title in the WWE, presumably. Uh, (laughs) He has to vacate for his last... Priorities. The only real question is which advertisement will make a joke about the fact he's going to come back first. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, like McDonald's just, running. Yeah, out. just we- play in the playoffs. He's he's useless in the regular season anyway these days. He only really starts playing properly in the playoffs, so he should just yeah. 
Take well, the thing, like, off and come back to the playoffs. There's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of older players who are like floating around that I've kind of got a feeling that that might be it that like some of them definitely just don't want to do like summer camps and stuff but like some of them just probably do just want to do uh the playoffs like Gronk is one of them. like realistically like there's a couple of ones that could come in and be difference makers if they could just come in for six or seven games so like why not do that if you are a you know a Bills or a Chiefs or 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 a Tampa Bay or something like that like just go okay look if we're in the running with you know six weeks left we'll look to sign you for like the last 10 games something along those lines like I I I think that could work pretty well keep them fresh um, but yeah, like sim- similar to the Tom Brady thing at this point, I'm going to wait until like, he's literally three years retired before we give a retirement podcast on him, uh, at this point, um, until, until he's in the, until the hall of fame is considered him sufficiently retired to put him on the ballot. Uh, yeah, he's not that's five years, but yeah, yeah, no, that seems all right. Oh, you never know when he could come back, you know, stem cell research or whatever. Um, <laughs> Baltimore outside linebacker Jalen Ferguson has died at the age of 26. Uh, very unfortunate young fella died in this spot. Reports indicate that it was an overdose of cocaine and fentanyl. Um, but yeah, very sad news. There's been quite a number of uh, of, of, of young deaths this uh, this this off season um, in the NFL. So and, uh, another one here to add to it within in Jalen Ferguson. And uh, former Baltimore defensive tackle Dave Siragusa has died at age 55. He uh, played 12 seasons in Indianapolis and Baltimore, including being part of Super Bowl 35 winning Baltimore defense. Um, yeah, kind of well liked in, in, in all those areas. Obviously remembered for that Super Bowl winning defense uh, the most. Um, but yeah, 55, quite quite young age to go as well actually. But um, yeah, yeah. Jeez, we should probably yeah. start. We should probably start ending the news on brighter notes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. need to do what what they do and that used to do in the TV news have like some light story right yeah. at the end to perk everyone up. up yeah. Um, let me think. Do we see anything? Okay. Uh, I'll make an editor's note to switch around the fake retirements and the deaths, so we talk about the fake retirement <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Okay. Let's get on to the NFC East. So as uh, we're into the NFC East, uh, as as Sean mentioned earlier, there the. Uh, it really has been a terrible division for quite some time. It looks to be picking up a little bit this time around. So uh, we're going to go. I'm going to rest my voice a little bit and let the boys take leads on each of their own ones. So uh, we're going to start with the Eagles. And Sean, we're going to go to you on the Eagles. Yeah, so the Eagles, a uh, couple of interesting additions on the offensive side. Uh, wide receiver A.J. Brown, as well as Zach Pascoe, Cam Jurgens, uh, Grant Cal- Calterra. Uh, on the defensive side, Edge Hassan Reddick. They drafted Jordan Davis, defensive tackle. Uh, Jorkiski Tart as well. On the secondary, uh, cornerback Jamie Bradbury, uh, Kazir White, Nicole Dean, uh, and Kieran Johnson. Uh, losses, big losses on the defensive side. Stephen Nelson, defensive back. Rodney McLeod, defensive back. Linebacker Alex Singleton, Jennard Every. Defensive line, Hassan Ridgeway, Ryan Kerrigan, and offensively, uh, guard uh, Brennan Brooks uh, and running back Jordan Howard. The Eagles are uh, one of these teams in the 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 NFC East who look like they might actually be good. Um, they they've been struggling for a few years trying to get this system to work. The 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 new quarterback Jalen Hurts is coming to his third year now. They've made some big moves both offensive and de- defensive side to kind of take that step up. And the general consensus is that this this could be the year when things start to come together. Or if they don't start to come together. 
then the Eagles are going to be uh, in some in some trouble, and people like Jalen Hurts are going to have to to look the other way. So obviously, in terms of the big off season, the big one is a trade for AJ Brown, bringing in what they finally haven't had, what they haven't had for a very long time, a number one receiver. They've been looking for that for quite a while. Obviously, Brown uh, is you know. Uh, long-standing career to Titans, quite useful as number one. This makes the option of Devonta Smith as a good number two. It means they now kind of have that receiver edge going on. They now kind of have that kind of talent at that at level they have before. They also still have Dallas Goddard, obviously, at tight end as well. So a lot of things happening in terms of that. And they've got a good, a good, a decent, if not particularly uh, spectacular set of running backs in Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott, who can contribute even if they're not necessarily superstars. So, in terms of the skill positions they've, they've kind of got going um, offensively, they've got a veteran offensive line protecting um, um, Hurts. So it all kind of comes down to can Hurts can can he take that step up? We've seen flashes from him in the past few years, but nothing solid and, and no kind of consistency. So that this, I think, is where it all is going to turn. If if Hurts can step up and start to to become the player that he looked like he could be at various times, and the Eagles could be contenders. They'll, they'll, they'll have a with this division. They'll have a really good chance of making the playoffs if they're anyway decent. And you win ten games, and, and you're you're likely to probably win this division. Um, uh, so on the offensive side, it's all come together. It really depends on what what Hurts can do. It's time for him to prove if he's for real. Uh, the defensive side, the additions are, are quite interesting as well. Obviously, Hassan Reddick and James Bradbury through free agency, two kind of very high-profile, good good players, kind of be brought into the mix. But look out as well for the two uh, the two big draft additions. Jordan Davis went in the first round, kind of a big name, well-regarded. Uh, Nakobe Dean went in the third round, although he was projected in some places to go first. So that was kind of a good steal on their part. So now they have the defensive pieces to come together. To, to bring it uh, to bring the Eagles where they needed to go, and when you think back to the Super Bowl uh, five years ago, it was a defensive side that really pushed them over the the edge in terms of that kind of thing. So they've they've got things going on the defensive side, and they got things going uh, on the offensive side. They're in division, so we, we expect the Cowboys will be better, or expect the Cowboys to you know be somewhere around the level they were last season. Which means if the Eagles can improve even just a little bit, they'll be competitive, uh, and they can have a good chance of winning um, that division. But again, as it comes down, it comes down to whether or not Hertz plays, um, or whether uh, uh, he uh, he doesn't live up to expectations uh, in terms of that. So we have them just in terms of the the wins. We have them all around the ten eleven uh, uh, yeah. uh, mark. Uh, I have them ten and seven, six seed going out in the wild card. Uh, both of you guys have them eleven and six, either winning the division or being the sixth seed uh, and going out early, which isn't going to be an improvement given where they've been for the past few seasons. Yeah. Like, I do wonder sometimes, like, this. I know that there's a lot of positivity amongst Philadelphia fans about Jalen Hurts and that there was moments of flashiness. But there are there are concerns about whether or not he's an NFL-level quarterback, that yeah, like he gets a lot done with his legs and he's quite a slight build. Like, is there is there a concern that if that piece doesn't click perfectly or anything happens to him, they're just gone entirely? Like, is it just that what worked last year needs to work and the stuff that didn't work they just need to cut that out of the playbook or are we thinking that he's going to develop so much that quarterback is no longer a question for the eagles like i I mean i would i I would say that he hasn't really had the pieces around him so far in the two years he's kind of been working with fairly uh minor uh kind of contributions around him aj brown is a big changer that that puts the pressure on and and devontae smith obviously developing another year as well something now he's got the pieces Mm -hmm. around him that he needs and it's no, it, it's kind of like the two situation in Miami. It's like there's no more excuses, right? Now you either perform or we go and find 
someone else. Uh, and I think mean, we've seen flashes. Of course, we have. He's he's not he's not Lamar Jackson good, um, but he's he's capable of playing at at a you know not too far off that level at his very best. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is comes down to whether or not he can he can make that contribution um, or not. Like I think what we've seen of Jalen Hurts so far, he kind of strikes me almost like a more mobile Andy Dalton type. Like doesn't have the strongest arm. It's not the greatest reading of the game, but it's fine. But his obviously his ability to make plays outside the pocket and to be a rushing threat kind of makes up for that. And it, to be fair, he came out very strongly towards the end of last season until he picked up that injury, which kind of robbed him of his ability to run. And then in the uh, wildcard round against Tampa Bay, that he got up terribly. They, like he's probably not a guy who you can trust to stay in the pocket and be a pocket passer. But that's all he's expected to be. Um, but it's going to be a big decision for Philly unless they do really well, unless he makes that step up and becomes a you know, starts adding in that franchise quarterback level understanding of the game. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, at least he'd be relatively uh, cheap uh, for now. I think one thing to note here on the defense is like the additions of Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis and James Bradbury and even a guy like Azir Wider and Kobe Dean. These, you know, there wasn't a huge number of changes, but they are pretty substantial changes. And Hassan Reddick is kind of interesting because I've talked previously in, in some of these previews about the big changes being towards the Brandon Steady defense, which is kind of in the kind of Vic Fangio 3-4 type school. And, you know, Hassan Reddick is definitely much more of your kind of offensive linebacker, sorry, uh, outside linebacker where he, you know, he plays with his hand, doesn't play his hands in the dirt, um, stands up. Like those are kind of things where you might see this defense, even though there, there's not really that much change in terms of the uh, DC. It's still uh, Jonathan Gann, I believe. They may mix in or have more flexibility in terms of what they're doing out there, and that's the kind of thing you're seeing in the NFL as a whole. And I think Hassan Reddick's kind of the the signal of that. But I think Jordan Davis kind of gives you that flexibility. You have him and Fletcher Cox, like both really good nose tackles, both really good defensive tackles who can make a huge impact. Obviously into their career and that kind of gives them the flexibility where they could really dominate because I think this team the big strength for it is not like the quarterback position maybe not even the skill position AJ Brown and Devonta Smith is a really good tandem um, but but I, I don't know how much they'll be used because Jalen Hurts is such a running threat and they might still want to run the ball a lot but they have a really good offensive line they have a really good defensive line they're building in the trenches like the Philadelphia team that won the Super Bowl um, so I think there's a team that has a really high ceiling and they could be a really really tough team to, to play against and i think the difference them being like the wildcard team that we can't really see them at and maybe being even a super bowl type contender is really that jalen hurts question as sean pointed out but it's such a solid foundation that even if hurts only takes like a, a minor step up then this is a team that could definitely be dangerous uh, definitely within this division but even within the wider nfc play uh, wild, super bowl hunt very good. Uh, next up, we'll have a look at the Cowboys. I'll look at these boys. So they've added in Jalen Tolbert, James Washington, Ryan Neal, Jake Ferguson uh, on the line. They've added in Tyler Smith and Matt Wallace-Sico. Uh, and on the defense side, Dante Fowler Jr., Sam Williams, uh, Deron Bland and Jerome Clark. They lost Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, Blake Jarwin, Corey Clement, Malik Turner from the kind of skill positions from the offensive line, Niall Collins, Connor Williams, and uh, Ty Nasecki. And then on the defensive side, Randy Gregory, Keanu Neal, uh, DeMonte Kazee, and Brent Urban. Um, so there's, uh, it's, a, it's a slightly confusing kind of, there's a good bit of moving around pieces, but again, for I think probably the third, season in a year third third season in a row the cowboys seem to be let's just try and get the band back together and hope that everything works this time and it'll all be okay um 
Okay, we'll start. We'll start at the top with the head coach McCarthy's here. He seems to be doing exactly what he was criticised for in Green Bay, of just about getting them to the playoffs and then making a balls of it and kind of not making the most out of a team that was stacked with quite a lot of talent, uh, albeit kind of maybe predominantly on one side of a ball last year. Um, he's under pressure. They seem to believe that they have the replacement head coach already on the staff in Kellen Moore. It's more really a question of timing rather than if uh, him to take over on the top. So or what Dan do- Campbell. Oh God. Oh yeah. Dan Campbell. Um, but the question is obviously, look, what does McCarthy have to do to keep his job here? Well, I think there's no massive excuses left. There's no coming in off injuries. There's no X, Y, or Z like that happening. So I think it is, playoffs and probably win at least one or two playoff games like i would i'd imagine he's he, he's guaranteed locked in for another year or two if he can make the nfc championship if he can get to the divisional round and wins a good playoff game in the wild card or something like that then i think that could that could be fine as well but i think that's what they're going to need to be targeting here because i think the cowboys are very close to a transition point um like let's look at the offense we have Okay, they've got their quarterback in, uh, in 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 Prescott, right? They've lost one of their wide receivers, Amari Cooper. So they're kind of running with C.D. Lamb, who is great and young, and then Michael Gallup. Who, to be honest, like I'm I'm less worried about the loss in wide receivers because I think Michael Gallup is a very good receiver, and yeah, I think they they had too many mouths those- to feed beforehand. He'll be injured for the first part of the season, so we'll be interested to see what they do until he gets back. I suppose they're probably hoping the rookie Talbert steps up or something like that, or maybe they'll pick up someone later on a on a cheap contract to bring it in. Um, like the Zeke is aging, so I'm imagining that they're probably close to moving on from him and probably regretting the uh, the, the size of a contract they gave him. But they've talked quite openly about the fact that they're going to run this as more of a tandem backfield with Tony Pollard this year, and I think that will be a huge benefit to them because for periods of last year, Tony Pollard was the better back uh, and he was you know, putting up the numbers better, but they were favoring Zeke because obviously they spent the money on him and that's kind of how those decisions get made sometimes. So I think that could be a benefit. Their offensive line isn't going to be as good as it was, um, but I also don't think their offensive line has been as good as people seem to in abstract think it is uh, for a couple of years anyway. So, I'm not sure how much of an impact that will have, but I do think the the, the, the bringing more split in the backfield will help. Um, you're right. While 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 the injury is there to the wide receiver, they might have a bit more of a of a like. But like, I don't look at the loss of like Blake Jarwin or Corey Clement as being huge impacts here. Amari Cooper being gone is not great, but once they have uh, once they have Gallup back in, I don't think it'll it'll, it'll kill them. The defensive side of the ball, because I know this is one that split us quite a bit last year about they had games where they were very good and games where they were terrible. Um, and I, I I don't really know what they've got here because like, they've got Tamarcus Lawrence, who's good. They're hoping to get more pass rush out of Dante Fowler, I'm presuming. Um, like They've got far too many linebackers and they don't really know what they're doing with them all. Mike Parsons is great. Van Der Etch is probably not as good as he used to be. Like... They've, there's a lot of like cobbled together elements on this defense that, like, looking at it now on paper could totally work, but also might not because I think that's what we saw last year was a lot of pieces that should have probably worked together just not gelling at all. Um, so like I sound very negative on this. I do have them winning eleven games. Um, the combination of schedules, some of the people who are in division with them and the fact that I do think that they have a good collection of skilled players I think they've got decent coaching um, but not great coaching like, I think they have the kind of coaching that will get you to just about making the playoffs every year uh, 
the question is, can they play with any of the bigger boys? And I'm not seeing anything this off season that's pushed them to the point where I think they could outside of, look, if they can have a fully healthy Dak and they can get a good balance on that run game uh, with a tandem backfield, then I think they absolutely have the weapons on offense to do it. And it comes down to a question of whether the defense is going to be able to, because like I said, Lawrence and Fowler, if they're both generating pressure, that could be good. I'm not sure about the back end of this defense, to be honest. Uh, there's a couple of players there, but I'm not sure how it works scheme-wise and how it works. Like Once you start coming up against the bigger teams of the NFC, which are like two or three teams that you need to worry about, I'm not sure this defense holds against those types of teams. And then I'm not sure if the offense can outscore on that level, because I think this could be a very good... If you got a, if if you can get a mid-ranked defense, this could be a team that happily wins scoring 27, uh, 24 to 27 a week. Uh, if you start coming up against people who are going to be able to score 30 on you, I'm not sure this defense is going to generate the turnovers or this offense is going to have the second gear to move into. So that's that's my problem with them at the moment. So I have them 11 wins. Fitz has them at 10 wins and Sean has them at 12 wins. So we're all in the same kind of area of doing well. Uh, I think you've both got them going out in the wild card. I think I have the same. I have to double check where I have them drop out. But that's roughly how I feel in the Cowboys at the moment. I think they'll do fine. I don't think they're going to be able to go all the way. And I think they're going to fall short of what they'd like to see from the head coach to keep him in place. But he'll do well enough that inertia might just keep him there for another year. Yeah, I think you've hit a lot of things right in the head. I think the defense is interesting because... It's a pretty good defense overall, but it's one that's very flashy and it's very reliant on a couple of superstars. Like, obviously, Micah Parsons was an absolute phenomenon in his first year as a rookie, and obviously they're hoping that he continue to build on that. And Trayvon Diggs is obviously the interception leader, albeit one who tended to give up a lot of yards. And that kind of feels emblematic of that team overall. Like, it's going to have, like, plays that show up in the replays that they're going to show off again and again, partly because it's the Dallas Cowboys, but partly because those guys are really exciting to watch. And with Demarcus Lawrence back and hopefully healthy, that should hopefully add to that. But there are huge holes in that defense. Like, they're still relying on guys like Neville Gallimore and Ozo Dudua and Carlos Watkins to be your interior defensive line. And they weren't necessarily a great rush defense last year. Um, and, yeah, like, in, like they're relying on guys like Malik Hooker to continue to kind of... Um, outperform where they ended up being in their, for, in their rookie contract and stuff like that. So it's a defense that kind of, with Dan Campbell there, obviously they're hoping that Dan Campbell, like he's obviously reinvigorated between DC and obviously probably potentially a guy who could get a head coaching job if the defense continues to be solid next year. But it's not one that you would like be feel safe with. But, you know, similar to Kansas City, like if they get enough turnover, to make enough big plays then I suppose it doesn't really matter how solid they look on like the you know four or five yard rush yard or whatever like that and there's the offense the biggest issue for me is just like you know all the things that made them strong are slowly being faded away the offensive line just isn't the same like Tyron Smith is still there technically but he's kind of a shadow of who he used to be Zach Martin's the only one who's left from the kind of that that line that everyone talked about has been the best in the league and who continues to play at that level. Everyone else is basically either guy who's replaced someone like that um, or is a replacement level overall. Like I think losing a guy like Leal Collins, who never really lived up to his reputation necessarily, but who was definitely like an above average right guard, now having to put in like someone like Terrence Steele or the rookie Tyler Smith and seeing what they can do, that makes a difference. And Conor McGovern has kind of flattered to deceive so far in the amount of time that they've given him as a fairly highly drafted guy a few years ago. Um, so it's just not the same thing. And then the receiving core, you lose Amari Cooper. And I the big thing like you know cd lamb is an amazing player uh, and probably more dynamic than amari cooper at this point but amari cooper is someone with a you know 
elite level of route running, which meant that in the tough situations, particularly in the red zone, he was very much a safety blanket for Dak Prescott. I'm not sure CD Lamb is quite at the level right now just because he's so young to be that kind of guy who can get open even when you're not open type of thing. And you're relying on guys like Dalton Schultz, therefore, tight end to kind of step up. And Michael Gallup's going to be injured, so you're going to be relying on guys like uh, the rookie Tolbert or Ferguson or the, or the free agent James Washington to come in there and make an impact. Don't know if we're going to see there. And, of course, Zeke Elliott, a year older, Will we see more of Pollard being brought in in a kind of 50-50 split? Um, some people have said, like they've said, Zeke Elliott's back to being fully healthy. He doesn't have the injury he was carrying last year. Maybe he can have that return to form, and certainly from a contractual point of view, he's all the incentives in the world to do so, because I believe after this year is when they can start cutting him without little impact on the cap. Um, but if he comes back, obviously he could be, what's more, an elite running back one, but, you know, the the, the history of, of running backs doing that as they get older to their, in age is fairly sp- small these days so yeah outside of Dak Prescott who should continue to be a good quarterback it's just as you say kind of the same but just lesser and lesser each year um so I you know I think overall there's enough talent there enough guys who make it enough difference makers blue chip players that I still think they're a playoff level team but you know they're only a couple of injuries away from being a really shit team and even if everyone does stay healthy those gaps those holes become more and more prominent and important when you get to the business end where they expect to be winning in nfc championships expect to be winning super bowls because of the owner and i just don't see a complete team that's capable of doing that right here see this this is my concern about this you, you look at you know you look at what they achieved last season 12 wins under some metrics the best offense in the league but they didn't go out in the wild card and i mean just really poor coaching at the very end with the with the running off the clock and such like you expect a team like that a team that that has you know finally got i mean they've they had some pretty poor years before that this so this is a team that finally has gotten to its place where they've you know got control of their division they're a, a big name team they're looking they're looking like that they're competitive at their very best they're you know they can they can compete with the best in their conference if not in the entire league you would expect a team like that to be quite aggressive uh, in the offseason to try and take that next step up to be like how identify the places where they were weak and try and take that step forward instead what i think we're seeing is, is a regression i mean losses of, of kind of cooper and wilson on the on the wide receiver with with no real replacements therein losses of people like randy gregory on the defensive side and maybe not necessarily stepping in in terms of it, it feels like a team that has at is at best about the same level it was last year and is worse is a little bit worse than that yes we'd expect micah parsons to be a lot better in his second year than his first year and he was really good in his first year as well but on the other side we you can see people like like zika and others who are aging a little bit so this team really it it feels like this team has missed an opportunity to take the next step forward to kind of to kind of launch themselves into the upper strategy of the nfc they're still kind of treading water and so you end up as I ended up in my prediction, kind of at the same place. They're going to win 11 or 12 games. They're probably going to win their division, or at the very least, they'll be a playoff team. But they're probably going to lose in the wild card, or they might make it to the divisional round, but they're certainly not going to threaten in the later stages. I mean, it just feels like this team is just... This is the level this team is at, and they have made no attempt to make that step up. And obviously, then you get into questions of what you know, what will Jerry Jones accept? What is Mike McCarthy going to get away with? I mean, can you fire a 12-win coach um, if it doesn't look like they're going anywhere? But it certainly feels like this team isn't evolving in the way other kind of up-and-coming contenders in the NFL. You think about the Bills or, or you think about the Rams last year. They they make the, the steps forward to evolve and, and, and move up a level when they see the opportunity. The Cowboys haven't done that. And so I kind of feel like they're just basically the same place they were last year. Yeah. To be fair, I would say, like, you know, making that next step requires you to have finances available and they've 
the Cowboys have always been a team that lived off the credit card, to, to, to borrow a term. And obviously, big contract with Zeke. Obviously, they give the big money to Dak Prescott. They're still paying a lot of money to Tyron Smith, who doesn't necessarily play every season. DeMarcus Lawrence didn't play much last season. They're giving a shit ton of money to him. So they're a team that, that always, we know, pays their stars. It's willing to get the checkbook out. And unfortunately, you know, eventually those debts come due. And that's why they had to cut a guy like Leo Collins, why they couldn't afford to keep a guy like Amari Cooper and basically sold him for peanuts on the trade market. Like, you know, the Jerry Jones approach, it looks great until suddenly it doesn't. And unlike mm-hmm. a team like the New Orleans Saints, which always seems to find some way to magic stuff around and makes it work, the Cowboys just don't seem to have that level of uh, cap wizardry available. So they, they end up having these like off years where they have to do dumb things. As I said, like, this is a team, as you say, uh, as we all agree, has stars. They could have, they have the foundation for a great team. But, you know, the bits they're filling in, it's very much at the discount store right now. Well, speaking of one type of mismanagement, let's move on to another type of mismanagement. Uh, Ronan, tell us about the Washington Commanders who are ready to take command. Uh, you got to take command, yeah. Carson Wentz really inspiring people. Obviously, their big off-season pickup was the trade for Carson Wentz inexplicably for two third-round picks, which is half... Uh, which is twice what the the, the, the Colts paid for uh, Matt Ryan, which seems unusual. But they also picked up Sam Howell in the draft uh, late on, who was some a guy that some people liked. Um, so obviously the quarterback position after Ryan Fitzpatrick retiring is going to be a big issue. Uh, on the offense, they added Jahan Dotson in the first round, a wide receiver. And they also added a couple of veterans to the offensive line and Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner. Um, they're also had a couple of rookies who might be contributors, Brian Robinson, a running back, and tight end Cole Turner. And on the defense, not much movement here in terms of additions. F.A. Obada is a free agent pickup, and they add uh, Fidarian Mathis and Percy Butler in the draft alongside another couple of other guys who were picked up late. So, you know, overall, not a huge amount of change, uh, except at the quarterback position. In terms of losses, the offensive line, they lose all-pro guard Brandon Schreff, albeit someone some people believe may have been on the downslope. Eric Flowers and Jamil Douglas are couple of veteran uh, offensive linemen that they chose to let go and the veteran tight end Ricky Seals Jones was also let go obviously they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick although obviously he didn't really play last year he was the touted starter before he went down in the preseason and they also lost a uh, former Carolina hero Kyle Allen and a couple of uh, bit players DeAndre Carter and Adam Humphreys at the skill positions in terms of the defense no big changes but maybe a loss of some of their important debt with Tim Settle and Matt Ioannidis lost from the defensive line and then John Bostic at linebacker a couple of you know, not too impressive defensive backs JJ Hayden Daryl Robertson and Collins also let go this season though they weren't major contributors so obviously I think everything for the success of the team probably starts at least on the field we've talked about their fucking disaster off the field but in terms of success on the field it's all about the quarterback position of course you know they they trade for Carson Wentz someone who had a interesting 2021 we'll say in indianapolis mixing some some of those flashes of the kind of big armed you know dynamic playmaker that he is with some absolutely trash level quarterback play i'm thinking about that interception late in the game against tennessee inexplicable in his own red zone we think about the disaster that he had against the worst team in the in the in the entire league against the jacksonville jaguars to miss out on the playoffs uh, with a team that obviously had a good run game had a good offensive line had the support around him maybe the wide receiver position wasn't great but you know, no real excuses for Carson Wentz blowing things up. And, you know, the, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts coming out basically straight after that loss against Jacksonville and saying, you know, you got to have a quarterback if you're going to win the playoffs and basically saying, well, we don't want Carson Wentz. But the commanders, apparently they they are a generous, um, very generous in their picks and they decided to pick him in. And yeah, like, 
I don't think it's a huge step down in terms of supporting talent. I don't think that, like, when I look at the Washington offense, it is, if you accept the quarterback position, which we'll talk about, it's actually okay. Like, a running back, they have Antonio Gibson, who, uh, you know, people don't seem to like in, in terms of coaching staff, but, like, fantasy has like, but he's been solid. Like, he's kind of a thousand yard or so running back, uh, maybe some issues with fumbles, but he's also in technically a former wide receiver, though he's never used in the passing game. That's usually reserved for J.D. McKissick. And even if he doesn't make a step up, they brought in Brian Robinson as a rookie, and he's a guy who has a lot of experience in Alabama of just tightening the ball. So maybe not the most dynamic playmaker, but a guy that you can trust to get that, thing, you know, those tough three, four, five yard type runs. At the wide receiver position, obviously, we talked about earlier, they extended Terry McClure. Terry McLaurin is an elite wide receiver. He's just unfortunately been, you know, not given very many elite quarterbacks to work with. And as I said, his skill set in terms of being an elite uh, right runner, but also his ability to catch the ball from pretty much anywhere, probably going to come in useful Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz's accuracy uh, perhaps not the best. And Jahan Dotson, they obviously drafted him in the first round, a dynamic playmaker as well, someone who should be pretty good underneath in terms of, you know, hopefully the space is cleared out by Terry McLaurin, etc. And Logan Thomas at tight end is a solid contributor. I think in terms of who else might be there for, say, the three wide receiver sets? It's very much, you know, just pick your favorite flavor. Like Curtis Samuel was a big free agent pickup a couple of seasons ago. Deami Brown was likely a lot of people in the draft last year. Uh, we just might see more of J.D. McKissick or maybe one of the tight ends like Cole Turner being brought in more. But overall, kind of like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, they're definitely going to be there. The running back position a bit uncertain. Logan Thomas will probably make a contribution if he's back fully healthy this season. The offensive line... I would probably say is probably, in my estimation, the worst in the division right now, but it's a division that tends to have strong offensive lines, so it's not that bad. Charles Leno is solid, if not spectacular. Andrew Norwell, you know, it's kind of flattered to deceive as he's obviously a former free high... Highly touted free agent who hasn't necessarily played up to his uh, his paycheck so far. Chase Roulier has been with them for years and he's a good, uh, if not quite pro bowl, certainly around that level center. And then um, at the other tackle spot, either Sam Cosme or Cornelius Lucas is expected to step up. And you know neither of them have been great, but neither of them have been terrible. It's kind of just a lot of guys who are okay, you know, not a problem, but not the solution either. And I uh, wish Weister or Tri Turner might compete for the other tackle, the other guard spot. So it's a an offense that's not terrible. I think it's a solid offensive line. Uh, good wide receivers. I think they have enough there running back. It shouldn't be a problem. And maybe some questions about the depth there. Who's actually going to make it out of the, the rush there. The defense for me personally was is more of an issue. Because the defense last year was one of the most perplexing things in the league. Because this is a defense that obviously has so many talented players. You have Chase Young. You have Jonathan Allen. Deron Payne. Monta Sweat. I remember to be incredible last year. We, we were hyping them yeah. up this time last year. And then they just completely shit the bed. What yeah, I, I, the, the ATN yeah. boys call them young and sweaty or whatever like yeah, and I was at the top of that train. I was very high on this defense last offseason. Uh, like in the, the literal preview that we did, if you go back a year and this is that preview, I'll be hyping this team up a lot. But for the first half of the season, they were awful. They were one of the worst defenses in the league, if not the worst. Now, they improved a little bit down the stretch, but still weren't great. And I think they lost Young late on as well. So, you know, that front four should be dominant, and yet they were not. They were bad. And I know, you know, the rest of the defense isn't at that level. Like, they're still relying on their first-round pick last week, Jimmy Davis, to make a step up at linebacker. You know, Kendall Fuller and William Jackson, I think, is a solid cornerback pair, but maybe not the best in the league. But, you know, 
you know, even that front four should be made an impact, and they just did not do that at all. And now they lose, like, well, like this used to be a defensive line that not only was great in terms of the front four, in terms of the, the starters, but also had great depth. You had Tim Settle, you had Matt Anitas. These were guys who were really good contributors, and now they're gone. So if any of these injuries pop up again, that's going to make a huge difference now because you know, Allen and Young have both been injured uh, in the last couple of years. So that you know, something to definitely keep an eye out for. Um, and obviously, you know, with Jack Del Rio turning into an idiot off the offseason. There's just a question, you know, is this whole organization on the defense just stagnating? Uh, on the offense, it's not stagnating. It's going to do something dumb or crazy or, or interesting. <laughs> but the defense, you know, they're, they're kind of relying on the fact they have these ta- young, ta- young, talented players. But, you know, they need to do better than they did last year um, and build on what they did towards the latter in last year where they at least became average. Um, but overall, like, look, I think we started at the, uh, the beginning. Carson Wentz, is the big question. I think the reason that we're all very negative on them, and, and I think we're all pretty negative on them, uh, some are two wins from Connor, five wins for myself, six wins from Sean, is that none of us believe in Carson Wentz. We believe he's an idiot in terms of his ability to read the field and make decisions and play within a system and just take open reads. He's inaccurate. You know, he doesn't have good fundamentals. He tends to kind of throw off his back foot too much. And it's just like, yes, he's obviously uber talented. If if you could put him in the right situation and the right training and whatever like that, maybe you could turn turn him into someone like he was when he, he brought them uh, to the Super Bowl before he got injured. Um, but with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, like, do I see the, the, the building blocks here of, of Carson Wentz turning his career around and proving it's all wrong? No. And I think by the end of the season, it's likely you'll see Taylor Heineke or Sam Howell back in like in the seat playing quarterback. Because, yeah, just Carson Wentz for me just shits on all this team. And even though I don't think it's a terrible roster overall, you know, quarterback is the most important position, and at that position, they are pretty much in hell. Yeah, yeah. I, I do kind of wonder if we're going to be in a situation where, again, Taylor Heineke somehow ends up as the best quarterback in this team, despite being probably, you know, below average uh, as NFL quarterbacks go. I mean, it's the Carson Wentz thing is, I mean, the fact that the, the commander's odds went up, as in they became, they the bookies consider them less likely to win the Super Bowl after Wentz came in than before. Just kind of says it all, really. Wentz is, as we said, you know, under in no pressure situations, he's a pretty good quarterback. But as soon as the pressure is on, two minutes to go, you're chasing a game or whatever. He makes stupid decisions and stupid mistakes, and it's just part of his nature. And there's no way of getting around that. And the commanders just you can't rely on him. And, and ultimately, the quarterback, if nothing else. No matter, you know, before you look for your superstar who does magical things, you look for a quarterback who you can rely on to not do things. I mean, you, th- you think about the absolute best quarterback that's ever been, Tom Brady. His entire thing was you can rely him on him to get the thing done every single time, no matter what. And Carson Wentz is like the opposite of that. He's the guy you can never rely on in the crunch. So that, that to me, is the big kind of, the not even a question mark, the big kind of red flag over this commander's team is that as long as Wentz is the QB, they're not going anywhere. If Heineke steps in, then the team is going to be about as well as good as they were last year, which is to say they'll compete in a couple of games, but they won't end up winning all that many in the end. Like you guys, for me, it's the defenses that's a real question mark because two years ago, this team defense was really good and exciting. It was a driving force behind them making the playoffs and almost beating the, the, the eventual Super, Bay, Super Bowl champion uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in those playoffs. But last year, they just it just fell apart. Um, uh, Chase Young's injury didn't didn't help, but I mean they were playing bad before that already. They have the talent, as we said. All the you, you look at the names, you go these you know Fuller, Young, Sweat. These guys are talented guys, but they just can't seem to get it together. 
Um, their past defense was absolutely appalling. They were bottom five in the league last year in pass defense. Their secondary just does not seem to be able to stop long throws. Yeah, it, it's there's a lot of talent in Moss team on both sides. I mean, we've already talked about McLaurin. We've we talked about um, Antonio Gibson. There's a lot of talent in different places, but it just doesn't add up into a coherent team. You just can't see what this team's identity is and what their game plan is um, other than, you know, they're just going to make a mess of things on both sides of the ball. They'll probably be better defensively than they were last season, but offensively, I can't imagine them being all that much better than they were last year, uh, even, even if they're not substantially worse. Yeah, that's the only wild card is the defense. If it starts to click, maybe they can get something going. But like, as I said, like, Carson Wentz got fired from a team for underperforming, and that team had a better line, it had a better run game, it had... Okay, maybe the wide receiver, they didn't have a Terry McLaurin on it, but, like, they had decent weapons on it. Like, he's gone from a better situation to a worse situation, and you're expecting him to perform better in that. I, I just don't see it at all. I think their only hope is Sam Hell gets brought in in Week 10. It turns out he's actually pretty good. Uh, that's that's about it for them. Um, we'll move on to the New York Giants, Sean, uh, your favorite team. Uh, please enlighten us as to how good they're going to be this year. This is one that we've actually got a bit of a divide on how we think, so this, this will be interesting. Yeah, no, no, I think they're an interesting team because of all the changes that have happened. Obviously, a very big historical franchise, big name, a lot of pressure, big market team. Um, so there's, there's, there is that kind of the, the glare of New York's sports and they've been pretty terrible for a while i mean four wins last year but real changes all around um starting at the very very top with the gm they brought in uh the, the bills assistant gm joe sean who in turn brought in brian dayball who was the bills offensive coordinator in as the new head coach they've also added defensive coordinator don wink martildale kind of well-known veteran you know well-regarded dc mike kafka brought in as the oc um then on players i mean the offensive line evan neal was drafted mark lewinsky was brought in joe feliciano Wandale Robinson, the wide receiver, Ricky Seal Jones, Joshua Ezudu, uh, Tyrod Taylor brought in just in case the, the Daddy Dimes thing that uh, they finally give up on that experiment. On the defensive end, uh, the new superstar, Kayvon Thibodeau, was drafted. He's going to be, he, he seems to be media savvy, which in a big market is going to work out very well. If he's even halfway good, they're going to make a big deal out of him in, in, in the New York media. Uh, also, Cordell Flott, Justin Ellison, Jihad Ward, Dane Belton, uh, and Micah McFadden. The losses, obviously, Joe Judge, the head coach, is gone. They've also lost player-wise. Offensively, uh, Evan Ingram, Will Hernandez, Nate Salder, Elijah Penny, Billy Price, Matt Scora, Devontae Booker, and John Ross. On the deep side, they lost James Bradbury, uh, Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton, Lorenzo Carter, and Bernadrick McKinney. So it's a big change for a team in which there's a lot of pressure. A lot of things are going to come down to Danny Dimes. The big news with regards to, to Danny Dimes, obviously, is the not taking up the fifth-year option on his contract, basically saying that this is your last year and you have to prove it to us. We are not... We are not taking the, the chance on you anymore. So this is a – we want to talk about the quarterbacks that the people like Tua or the people like Jalen Hurts that have to step up. I mean, Dimes, is, his, his career is is literally on the line because it's going to be very hard to see him being a starting QB anywhere else if he doesn't have a good season this season. Um, can he do it with this new team around him? Uh, obviously, Dayball coming from the, 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 the Bills, the Josh Allen Bills uh, situation. There, there's a lot of things going on in terms of that there's rebuilding a, a roster that was a bit of a mess last season um how what, what can dable do in terms of that to bring things together and obviously on the defensive side what can uh, Wink martildale do to bring them things together so i mean 
a lot of changes overall. Obviously, what influence Dayball can have on Danny Dimes is going to be a big one. We saw we saw we saw Daniel Jones showing pro- signs of progress early last season. There, there were there were moments when it looked like he might have been getting to grips with the game. There were a couple of game a couple of games where where he looked impressive enough um, performing. Um, but he has to show signs of pro- he has to take that step up because this is a do or die for season. As I said, from there have been good uh, improvements on the offensive line. I think the drafting of Evan Neal will make a big change there. That they could be a, a lot harder to deal with in terms of that. Defensively, it's I mean it's it's a what Martindale can do with a defense that you know didn't really ever show us all that much. But you know I mean it, it's it it they're they're solid ish right that they have they they have pieces to them but it has to come together and obviously I think Kayvon Thibodeau and how good he is um, is going to be quite important for them. They they have talent to, on both sides of the ball. Obviously people like Saquon Barkley who maybe isn't quite the player he used to be but but can still deliver. Kenny Galladay who had the big contract. Kind of uh, can step up on on the offensive side, uh, on the defensive side. I mean, it's you know they they have they have they have. Wow, these these names don't really uh, give me an, an awful lot to uh, to uh, to be happy about. Uh, I mean, Xavier McKinney is decent, I suppose. Uh, Dory Jackson has his moments as well, but there's a, there's a lot of things to be done. So it's a lot of big changes. We have no idea what's going to happen, which is why I think we've divided so much. Um, Fitz has them even worse than last season, going down to three wins. Connor has them picking up two more wins to go to six, and I've gone all out. I think they get to eight and nine, and I think Danny Dimes can can save his career by making it look by finally showing up and showing us uh, what all the hype was all about. The old world is dying, and a new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of turnovers. That's why I am low <laughs> on the Giants this this year. Like. Saquon Saquon Barley's looking good in all those still photos, though. <laughs> He looks like he's down to about 2% body fat and completely dehydrated. Like, I think Brian Table could be a good head coach, obviously coming from McDermott in, in Buffalo. He's obviously had the opportunity to learn from one of the best coaches in the league. I think Wick Martindale is a good pickup. How, so how, 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 how comparable do you think Daniel Jones is to uh, Josh Allen? Uh, not much, which is why I believe this is just a year where they have to clear the decks. Like obviously, actually, that might that might make the Terod Taylor pickup make a bit more sense as well. Actually, yeah. like it, it was a team that's in such flux that I think taking a rookie quarterback and doing a Trevor Lawrence like on it, even if they wanted to pick a quarterback and there was one more picking up high, which obviously there wasn't in the draft wouldn't make sense you have daniel jones in the final year of his contract you didn't do the stupid thing of picking up his fifth year option so you're no not on the hook at all if he screws the the bed and he obviously has all the incentives in the world to actually turn up but i think we've seen enough of daniel jones to know or at least i believe that he is not a good quarterback he is in actuality a terrible quarterback because he has the one he, he has the one problem that, that, that is basically unforgivable, which is that he doesn't seem to understand the game of football, and he just, because of that, gives the ball away again and again. He panics all the time. Like, obviously, like, you know, if you want an image of Daniel Jones, what is it? It's like when he was on that, like, 80-yard scamper for a touchdown and then fell over himself <laughs> to, to basically make a joke of himself. And sometimes a guy... You know, maybe if things had gone slightly different, he could be a solid quarterback. But I think given where he is in this organization, given where things are, even given the extra chances and the better situation he 
you know, theoretically it's in. I just don't see it happening. I think the offensive line is better. And look, Saquon Barkley might come back and be healthy and be the Saquon Barkley expect. But that's a lot of assumptions to, to go into. I think Saquon Barkley personally might very well be cooked. Like he just has not looked like Saquon Barkley for multiple years at this point. There's very rare cases where a running back comes back multiple years after being good and then suddenly turn into being good again. Like even Adrian Peterson came back the year after his injury and looked good. Like it, it, it just, I just don't see it. Like, and I think Evan Neal and Glowinski and Feliciano will make this offensive line better. I just don't know if there's anyone worth protecting there. Danny Dimes isn't smart enough, and the skill positions, you know, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, you know, like uh, Darius Slayton, like. It's hilarious. This is actually the worst wide receiver room in the league last year in terms of yards. Also, the most highly paid wide receiver room in the in the league last year. That's the kind of incompetence that they're taking over from this year. Um, and I think it's just a huge hill for Brian Dayball to go through. I think the offense could be slightly improved, but they're still relying on guys like Blake Martinez. So I'm not really seeing them as turning into like one of the best in the league. And the you know the cornerback two position is going to be an absolute shit show. Like Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes, Maurice Kennedy. No one really knows what they they decided to cut bait. Like I think that that decision to cut bait with James Bradbury late in the offseason indicates to me that they see this as a big long-term rebuild and that this year is really just look Danny Dimes if you got it cool we'll 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 give you a decent contract this offseason but we don't think you got it and we're not going to spend a lot of money on a defensive like defensive backs or keeping these like young guys one year around like Evan Ingram or Will Hernandez to see if you get good we think we're going to have to do a full blow up on this we're starting that by getting guys like Evan Neal in and Kevin Thibodeau in in the draft but this year it's a write off and, you know, I think Dayball, if he's a really good head coach, he could get him up to that kind of eight-win type ceiling. But that is their ceiling. This is not a good team. I think in a division where there's two teams who are a lot stronger now, they'll definitely struggle to pick up a lot of wins within the division and within the rest of their, their roster. I just don't see where the wins are coming from. Just very, very low on this team. Even though I think maybe a year from now, I might be pretty high on them. But this year, it's a write-off. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, like I think, I think, I think there's bits that could work well. I think you know you might see a, a a big year from the running backs, or you might see a reclamation from the quarterback. Uh, I I, th- I think they get a lot of their six wins out of the basis of uh, their schedule. For me, I think there was just a couple of ones where they come up against some soft options, and yeah, I'd like to think new coach will probably provide them with a little bit of of a help. But yeah, like there's there's, there's too many moving pieces for this to be a contender in my head at all. Um, I think I'm probably being generous with the six wins, but you know, whenever I give the 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 the, the commanders two wins, some of their losses have to go somewhere. So uh, <laughs> uh, I imagine the Giants picked up a sweep there on my on my uh, estimations. But yeah, like look, there's 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 a lot a lot to be seen in this thing. I don't think this will be in any way definitional for what they'll look like in the coming years i think this is just a kind of a let's see what we've got see how they fit into our new plans into our new schemes and then on the basis of that we'll know who to cut bait with and who we need to replace uh for next year so this is kind of uh you know new manager comes in wants to see who they can keep before they uh start restaffing so yeah that's that's how i'd see it uh, so on that lovely notice, that'll wrap up our NFC East preview. Uh, our next one will be the NFC North. So uh, all you NFC North heads, uh, make sure to tune in for that. Any crack with yourselves for the weekend, lads? Oh, I think the weather's supposed to be good, so we might do something, but uh, no plans as of yet. It's been a pretty crappy summer of weather so far. Yeah, that I might look to catch the new tour film though i usually wait a week or two for those to be honest but uh yeah overall uh nothing too 
too exciting, as I said. Work. I have to basically be at work for the next while because uh, of the testing period. Uh, so not too many adventures. Very good, very good. Occasional contributor, an ex-core member, Harry, has his birthday this upcoming weekend, so I might be down to see them if my lungs have repaired themselves by then. Uh, but if not, I'm doing a bit of D&D on Sunday, so it'll be very exciting. So I suppose with that, we'll wrap up this podcast. So it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. <laughs>